Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Games Are Fun podcast of 2020. My name is Adam Beagle, and I'm your host today while Luke is, well, Luke is probably frozen somewhere in Canada right now. Um, so <laughs> he's out. I'm here. Uh, joining me today is our uh, newly announced co-host, Garrett Neely. Garrett, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing well, Adam. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing really good. Good, good. Uh, so in today's show, we're going to recap Awesome Games Done Quick 2020. Uh, we're going to talk about last week's Pokemon Direct. We're going to talk about PlayStation skipping E3 again. And uh, Garrett's going to give some impressions on xCloud. And of course, we're going to talk about the games we've been playing. Uh, before we get to all that, just a reminder that the podcast airs every Tuesday. Uh, each week, Luke, me, and Garrett all discuss the biggest topics in the video game industry, share our opinions, uh, talk about new game releases, uh, all that fun stuff. The show's available on all major podcast services, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you want to help support this podcast, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you use. Uh, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, consider leaving uh, the show a review. That really would help out a lot. Um, small things like the, that just kind of help grow the show and help us find new listeners. So um, any support you can give us on those platforms would uh, be greatly appreciated. Uh, so just a uh, quick housekeeping item here. So this is brand new for us. We are uh, in an effort to grow the show and give back to the listeners in the community. Um, we're actually going to do a giveaway this month. Uh, so we're going to give away a copy of NBA 2K20 for the Xbox One. Um, now, in order for this to happen, we want to hit a certain goal to, to make this giveaway take place. So uh, what we want to do is we want to reach a goal of 300 Twitter, Twitter followers by January 31st. Uh, so to get your entry into this contest and this giveaway, a uh, couple things need to take place. So... Uh, we need you to follow us on Twitter at GamesAreFunPod. Uh, retweet the giveaway tweet, which is now live on uh, on Twitter. And also comment your favorite NBA team on that tweet. Uh, so a couple things there need to happen to get your entry into that giveaway. Get your copy of NBA 2K20 for the Xbox One. Um, so make sure you do that. And again, that'll just really help us grow the show a little bit and help us give back to the community. Um and, and really, it's kind of a testing bed because we want to be able to do more giveaways, more interactive things um, with the community and get more involved with you guys. So this is just kind of the first uh, step in that process. And just to let you guys know, I did uh, pin that tweet to the very top of our page. So it should be super easy for you guys to find. So make sure everyone gets entered in that and share it with your friends so that we can uh, we can give that away on the 31st. Absolutely. Um, anything else you'd like to mention here, Garrett, before we get started into um, the, the meat of the show? No, let's get rolling with some news here. All right, sounds good. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about, since uh, since I'm running into the show this week, uh, the big topic for me <laughs> personally is uh, Awesome Games Done Quick, or AGDQ 2020. Uh, for those of you that don't know that haven't heard me on previous podcasts rant and rave about these things, um, it's essentially a... Uh, group of people uh, known as Games Done Quick. There's a uh, Twitter, or sorry, uh, Twitch channel. Uh, they have a website. And uh, every so often they get together for a week at a time, twice a year, uh, to just speed run video games for charity. And so what they did this past week is they uh, were all 
donations and, and proceeds and everything were going to benefit uh, the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Um, so they're definitely working towards a great cause and they get all the all the best streamers in the business together. They put on some fantastic runs. They just, you know, they, they play all your favorite games or maybe some not so favorite games, some weird, very weird deep cuts that they'll they'll go through and play uh, all in the name of charity. And it's just a lot of fun. It's a live event. And, uh, you know, they rent out, you know, a hotel and, you know, thousands of people come in to watch these games and it just runs 24 seven for a full week. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about some of the highlights from from that uh, this past week. So I when these come around, I do whatever I can to get the most viewing time as I possibly can muster. So if I'm awake and I'm at home, it's on TV <laughs> and I'm watching nice. GDQ. Uh when I'm at work and I'm on my lunch break, I'm watching GDQ. Get home from work, I'm watching GDQ. <laughs> Fall asleep with the TV playing GDQ. If I happen to wake up in the middle of the night, I might catch a uh, catch a uh, you know midnight run or something <laughs> too. So that's I, awesome. Yeah, I try and take off work whenever I can um, for these things. I really want to go to one of these events, and and at some point I'm going to. Maybe uh, maybe summer games done quick this year i don't know um garrett have you spent much time watching any of these events are you familiar with it um so i'm I'm definitely familiar with it i haven't unfortunately had too much time over the last week i've been pretty busy i was away all weekend for a wedding and i just did not have the time to really check in too much but um you know i i do like to uh after these events i i will always see on on youtube on the trending section there's always a bunch of highlights and I, i like to go through and watch some of those so I'm looking forward to checking out uh, some of your recommendations of the the you know biggest runs and coolest things that happened this week. Yeah, and they have on their Twitch channel. Uh, they of course have the vods from from this past week, so you can always go on. It it can be a little difficult to find maybe the specific uh, runs that you want to watch until they you know eventually get it up on YouTube or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but you can kind of just buffer through each day individually to find the things that you want if you you know prefer to do that before it makes its way to YouTube but sure um, and and what I recommend too is um, you know when these when these events come around like I know some people might take a look at the schedule and say like oh hey I really like this Legend of Zelda game or you know this game or that game so I'm gonna watch that run what I really encourage people to, to do is just watch as many as you can because you might find games that maybe you're not interested in or you never heard about mm-hmm. and it's still so much fun to watch these guys just tear these games apart so and it's and it's not necessarily like it, it could be a number of things it could just be that they are just an absolute expert at this game and just their flawless execution is what uh, allows them to beat the game so quickly and other times they're just completely breaking the game they're destroying the physics <laughs> the boundaries the, the logic that these developers have put in place and they're just grinding it to a pulp to, to blast their way through the game. And, and no matter which one of those instances it is, it's always a lot of fun. And this was probably, for me, one of the best uh, GDQ weeks that I've watched. And the, the runs were great. The commentary was great. Um, they racked up a ton of donations. Like, it was just really solid. But um, let me get into, I'll just kind of rapid fire some of the things that I thought were were definitely worth checking out. Cool. Um, I'm going to start with what may be one of the, the top, if not the top, it's got to be top three. 
It was a two-player, one-controller, blindfolded Mike Tyson's Punch-Out from oh. the original Nintendo. Awesome. And so it was, it was two guys, totally blindfolded, playing through Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. And so one person was, was handling the A and B buttons. The other person was handling the D-pad. So essentially one person was responsible for the dodging, the other person responsible for uh, the attacks and, and uh, things of that nature. So it took an enormous amount of coordination and sound cues to, to navigate through this. And it was just insane. Like I've seen, uh, one of the runners, his name is Zallard. He's done, uh, blindfolded runs of other punch out games. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think even, I want to say it was summer GDQ. He did a race with someone. There were two people blindfolded and they might've been the two guys that did this single run here, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it was just, there were, there were no deaths or anything. They just, flawlessly <laughs> without the, without being able to to see what they're doing beat Mike Tyson's punch out. I mean that's a feat that I'd probably still struggle to just beat the game today. Oh yeah. Let yeah. alone do it blindfolded and yeah, only game controlling is half a controller. <laughs> super difficult. I mean uh you know the later rounds of that game are, are you know precision timing. So that's mm-hmm. that's super impressive that they can just go completely off audio cues alone and and yeah. even more impressive that you know, two of them are working together. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, so there was, this is a, a runner that I'd never heard of before. His name is TVG Badger and he was doing a run of Terraria and it, it was Murphy's law was all over his playthrough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he had a time estimate of, of about an hour or so, uh, to essentially beat the game. Mm-hmm. And everything that could go wrong went wrong. And he was, he was doing his best. And I give the guy a lot of credit. And he was doing some, some little things that he maybe wouldn't have done in, like if he were just normally doing the run, I think was maybe doing a little bit of cheats and stuff to um, manipulate the, the time of day in the game and things like that. Mm. And Terraria is a game that I really liked. I haven't played it in years and probably not a game I'd really go back to, but this guy had an absolute indomitable spirit and, and charisma. And I was just super impressed with the way he carried himself with the way that that run was going. So I'd say that's, that alone is worth a watch. Um, he did a really great job and he did what he could. He ended up not being able to finish because of uh, some things, but you know, big, big props to him. Uh, there was also a Legend of Zelda series relay race. Uh, so there was a relay where they were playing uh, Zelda 1, Zelda 2, and A Link to the Past. And there were three teams, and each team had one person to play through one full game. Mm, okay. So one person would play through the first Zelda. Once he completed, he'd hand it off to the next person that would do Legend of Zelda 2, hand it off to the final person to... Um, anchor with the link to the past and um that's just so cool you know (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) the fact that they're able to uh beat three zelda games in was i I think maybe three and a half hours something like that yeah so that was pretty cool (laughs) and you said that one was a race so there were multiple teams competing oh Mm -hmm. that's cool that's really cool yeah any really any time that there's a race of any sort Um, really just elevates things because you see, you know, a number of people trying to complete the, you know, the task of beating the game or whatever, whatever the category is before the other person. And you see all, all the speed tricks that they can muster to try and get to the finish before the other person. It's so good. 
Uh, the other one, this is this is a little interesting. So it's it was Final Fantasy VIII. Um, I don't necessarily recommend watching the whole <laughs> thing because that was like, uh, I want to say that was like a nine hour run Ooh. between three people. It was a co-op, so they would just kind of switch at certain intervals in the game. Mm-hmm. However, uh, one of the runners, his name is Luz Bolheim, and he, this was probably somewhere around the seven to seven and a half area mark. Uh, where he essentially he takes over for his leg of the run and what he does is there's with final fantasy games there's a lot of time spent in the menus equipping items spells uh you know in these later ones like the uh the summons Mm -hmm. things things like that uh managing inventory and and all that well there's a point in this game basically as soon as he takes over the controller and he puts on a blindfold and (laughs) there's a very specific series of menuing that they do to get the the optimal setup for the uh the final portion of the game so everything's you know buried in all these different menus and Mm -hmm. he is zipping through all these menus (laughs) completely blindfolded equipping things that like he he just he just knows um to to get all the best stats for the characters that he's going to be using equipping them with the magic that he wants them to, to have equipped. And he's flying through these menus like like nothing. And at one point, he actually got lost. And you see him back out of the menus and just kind of take a second. He gets back in. He finds the spot that he was at. Wow. And finishes all the equipment and everything that he needed to do. So he knew in his head exactly where he was and how to finish it out without taking off the blindfold. The blindfold. Um, I've seen him do this once before. I think it was again last might've been last year or last summer. I think it was last year, last AGDQ. Um, and he basically did the same thing, but for final fantasy nine. So he can do this for multiple final fantasies and it was just, it's amazing. That's crazy. (laughs) In something like that, you can't even go off a sound cues. That's just gotta be pure memorization. It is. It is. Yeah. hundred percent because all the menu sounds sound exactly the same. So it, it sounds weird, like, oh, he's just going through menus. But I tell you what, that was exciting, and that was really cool. Like, I'm just, I was just sitting in awe, and I was just kind of laughing at how, how nuts this was. And my wife was laughing at me because I was laughing at the TV. But um, <laughs> uh, so another one that was pretty cool is there was uh, Castlevania Four, the, the one for Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the runner put it on hard mode, and that was just fun. Like, any Castlevania run is cool. Mm-hmm. Um hard mode you you really get a sense of how difficult the game is i mean castlevania games are hard enough um on normal difficulty let alone hard and um so that was just fun to watch um they also that uh on thursday so for like half of the day on thursday they ran what's called the awful games block (laughs) so basically they find all the worst games pretty much in the history of video games and for like half a day, they'll just do a bunch of runs of these terrible video games. Awesome. And again, it sounds weird. Well, like, why would you want to watch terrible video games? But I, they just make it fun. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, there's some to... there's something beautiful about uh, you know making something out of something awful. You know. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. I I'm personally I'm enthralled, and it's funny because I made a Twitter post. I'm like, this is the most awful, awful games block I've ever seen. <laughs> And it's absolutely perfect. Awesome. I had so much fun watching that. Um, <clears throat> what kind of games were they playing? 
Um, Do you remember any offhand? There was, oh my gosh, um, the one I recall, I think it was called Sword of Blackstone or something like that, and then there was Castle of Dragon, I want to oh, say. Wow. So some like obscure, just just Very. shovelware garbage. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. exactly right. Cool. Some of these games were just... Oh. The fact that they would even take the time out of their days to, to play these games, let alone take the time to master them, is just, it deserves a lot of credit yeah, right awesome. there. So, <laughs> um, And there's also the, the TAS block, which is uh, tool-assisted speedruns. Mm-hmm. So it, basically, there is a, um, a, a set route or path for certain games where they basically program it into a computer, and then said computer plays the game. And that's where you get your ridiculous, like, because they'll hit every frame perfect trick every mm-hmm. time. Um, they It just does everything perfectly. Things that humans can't do because they can't press buttons fast enough or, um, like, they just can't get that same level of precision. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple, they did uh, Super Mario 3 and Super Mario Brothers 2, the American version, not, not Lost Levels, mm-hmm. but... Um, and I think Super Mario 2 was probably my, my most favorite task run that I've ever seen. Um, the stuff they did with that game, and, and they didn't even really break it. There was a couple little sort of half glitches here and there, but mm-hmm. it was mostly just very precision-based, which is what a lot of Mario games are. There's not a, a whole lot of things to break in the classic Mario games. Right. Nintendo you know, does a great job polishing their stuff. I'm sure there are some out there, but... Um, you don't really see them too much. Mm-hmm. There was a Mario 64 randomizer race. Um, so basically two guys competing to get to 70 stars and then beat the final Bowser fight uh, first. Mm. Uh, it It's kind of weird. It's a little jarring to watch. Like if you've played Mario 64, like even if you're familiar with randomizers, it's a little weird because, I mean, Mario 64, you jump into a painting to access the level and then there's each level has six stars uh, with their own objective to meet um, to complete it and earn your star. Well, this one, you jump into the painting or whatever. You get your star. It spits you out. You're in a different spot than you were before. <laughs> um, even when you go into the levels and you enter the level, you're not at the same starting point. You could be... Oh. You could jump in at one point and be in one spot, and then the next time you go into the stage, you're you're across the map in another location. So, Interesting. Yeah, it really takes a, a really deep knowledge of the game to be able to not only complete it, but do it as quickly as what they were doing. So that was really fun. Um, there was a Link to the Past crowd control, and that is... Uh, Basically, someone playing a link to the past. It's a it's a randomizer, so mm-hmm. again, items are all spread out, you know, wherever. So it again, you need that deep knowledge of the the logic of the game and everything to do a randomizer well. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, you have uh, anyone that's in like the Twitch chat can donate points to be able to either uh, provide benefits or. Uh, detriments to the runner so it could be as simple as adding or removing bombs or arrows from inventory to um, adding ice physics to the game to um, creating a swarm of the the cuckoos to attack um, to straight up killing the player wow (laughs) 
So there's so many things you can do to mess with the runner. And I tell you what, they that chat Twitch chat was was brutal. <laughs> they made him work for that victory. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and he's a good sport about it too. I, I'm I'm actually kind of amazed. I I don't know that I would have had the patience for that. Yeah. Um, but it was really fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, there was a Mario Maker 2 relay, so they had very, uh, there were courses uh, designed specifically for this, and they took some really great Mario Maker players, um, you know, players that do really well with, uh, you know, like the expert or super expert levels. Mm-hmm. So they basically created these super expert levels. There were two teams of four, and there were, I think, eight levels, t- seven levels total. And uh, essentially there was eight minutes to complete each each level. And every time someone would die, they would switch the controller to the next person. The next person would try and advance the team, uh, reach the next checkpoint or beat the level. And it, again, just takes a lot of skill to, to beat those very, um, those very tough levels, challenging levels that are built to challenge the best players, you know, that, that you can find in that game. So um, when I watch these guys play, I'm like, how in the world do they do that? Like, yeah, man. Some of that Mario maker stuff is just insane. And to, to be timed and passing off the controller and, you know, mm-hmm. you don't really get your rhythm going, uh, you know, between deaths and that kind of stuff, man, that that's got to take a lot of, uh, you know, just practice of just multiple, multiple, you know, expert level, uh, courses and all that. So, mm-hmm. man, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, that was it was really fun. They had a they had a great group of people doing that doing that relay. So um, good for them. Uh, there was I don't I don't think it was the Castlevania four. It might have been there was another Castlevania run. I think it was Dracula X or something like mm-hmm. that. But uh, the only reason I bring this up is because they named uh, the file for the game after Neil Pert. Awesome. Um, yeah, the the Rush drummer who passed away this week. So uh, to honor him, um, it. There's so throughout the course of GDQ, they have donations, incentives and bid wars. So a lot of times when usually when you're playing like a Zelda game or Pokemon or something, uh, people can donate to have things named after them or whatever name they, you know, they would like to have chosen. And Mm -hmm. everyone banded together to have that file name named after Neil Pert. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. And the uh, the last game run that i want to mention is uh it's a version of super metroid they call super metroid impossible Mm. it was the very last run of the the marathon and it is a it was designed by by someone that does like the the task games the tool assisted speedrun games Mm -hmm. Uh, it was designed by someone that that does a lot of that but it was pretty much designed so that no human player would be able to beat it Mm. um that it would have to be completed by by a uh like a task bot Mm -hmm. and I this runner has been working and practicing and uh to to try and beat this game this version of Super Metroid and he he put it on display for everybody uh, as the last run of the show and he he beat it he did an awesome job it he had a couple deaths um to one of the bosses late in the game but that was the only spot he died was to that one boss where he wow. died a couple of times. Very, very challenging section of the game because the, uh, it, it's not a randomizer, but the items from the vanilla game aren't 
necessarily in the same spot right. and some of the routing has been changed uh you know so so the logic the the progression is completely different from the original game and uh there's just a lot of there was uh some enemies did additional damage there were a lot of spikes added throughout there was a lot of very technical skills that you have to be able to master to to get through and he managed he he beat it and he did an awesome job with it so that was you know maybe my my up there with the the Mike Tyson punch out blindfold game but um but yeah and i mean those are all like the the really big interesting things that i found but like i said i mean all the games that they do like even if you're not a fan or you don't really know what the game is mm-hmm. it's still so it's totally worth watching so for sure uh, at the end of june summer summer games done quick sgdq 2020 is going to be coming up so if any of y'all missed this one uh go check the vods or you know wait a couple months and then it'll be back again and you can watch it live and enjoy it as it's happening and be part of the be uh be part of the the experience cool so, yeah um, i'm gonna have they, to go through and, and do that and, and uh, scrub through there and, and check out some of this stuff because that sounds really awesome so yeah uh, and then and, definitely be be watching live next time because i don't want to miss yeah. any of that cool stuff yeah, yeah, it's so cool to see it live and just be part of part of it while it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they did also hit a new record uh, for donation totals. So oh, that's right. Everything combined, uh, all donations, um, subscriptions to the Twitch channel, uh, uh, sponsor money, um, everything went into a uh, total donation at the end. I think when they ended the stream, it was like three point one two million then of course the um they're still accepting donations throughout the month so it's probably even higher than that now but during the stream i think that's where they ended was 3.12 million which was a new record for them and um so it's just it was awesome they they did a great job and um so much fun to watch always always a good time no that's great that they were able to take something as silly as video games and and do something really good with it so i'm glad to hear that they that they broke their record yeah exactly i mean just kudos to to the gaming community at large to supporting these um these great causes so mm-hmm. at agdq they do the prevent Ca- cancer foundation and then the summer gdqs they donate all that money to um doctors without borders so mm, okay um very good causes that they partner up with Definitely. and um yeah so that was gdq um uh next we have the pokemon direct that happened last thursday um, so a couple couple major points that came from there, and we'll kind of kind of break it down one by one. Um, so the first thing that came out was that they announced was Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX, uh, which was a game from way back on the was it Game Boy Advance? Uh, so there was two versions. There was a DS and a Game Boy Advance version, and then I believe okay. if you put the Game Boy Advance one in the DS and connected them up at the same time you could unlock some extra content so i I think all of that content will be in this one package gotcha yeah so that that releases on march 6th uh which is kind of an unfortunate time for that but yeah very uh and then they also released a demo the same day did you did you play that at all yet yeah i did i played a little bit of it um now I, i remember playing this game back in the day um i'm thinking it was probably the DS version, but I'm not sure. Um, and I, I remembered enjoying it, but I really didn't remember what kind of game it was or anything like that. 
Uh, yeah, I booted up the demo, and man, this game is slow. Um, yes. I played probably 30, 45 minutes, and mm-hmm. I, actual playtime was maybe like four minutes of that. The rest of it was talking <laughs> and menus and just... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if this one's going to be for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is going to be, going to be a skip for me, especially, uh, because of the fact that they are doing full retail pricing of $60 for this game. No way. Um, this is not a $60 game, Nintendo. I'm sorry. Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm Um, so yeah, they only spent like two and a half minutes on that announcement, which is fine because then came the, uh, the, the real meat of it, which is the Pokemon sword and shield expansion. So, Apparently, a couple episodes ago, when it was me, you, Luke, and Steven, mm-hmm. we must have all said that there was no chance in hell, basically, that there'd be any sort of DLC or expansion to right. to the Galar region, which, you know, at the time, maybe was true. But then, right before the Pokemon Direct, we had kind of our own discussion off-air and everything, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what, what was going to be announced. And um, we, we have proof that I did... I, I did think that there was going to be some DLC content mm-hmm. and, and new Pokemon editions. So I guess at some point I changed my mind on the uh, the expandability of, of this game. Yeah, <laughs> I think you were the optimist out of the group because I was like, they're going to talk about Pokemon Home, Pokemon Sleep, and we'll be lucky if we get anything else. And yeah, they didn't dedicate much time to either. I mean, they didn't talk about sleep at all. But yeah, I was, I was um, pleasantly surprised no, that you were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just um, I'll just kind of read off all the things and then we can go back and, and talk about, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever we need to. But essentially what's being added in these expansions is uh, so this is in place of a third game in the series. So rather than doing like a sword and shield ultra or whatever, uh, this is where the expansions come in. So they're not doing an additional game. They're just doing the expansions. So uh, so the first one is going to be Isle of Armor. Uh, which comes out June 2020. It's going to add some new clothing, hair, bikes, uh, some new Pokemon. Um, We're going to see Venusaur and Blastoise come in. I'm personally super excited about Blastoise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the Gen 8's starters are going to get Gigantamax versions. So uh, Venusaur, Blastoise, and those starters all have Gigantamax forms. Uh, There is a unique Pokemon, uh, Cub Fu which is going to be available in that when you kind of start your adventure, you're just going to get it. It sounds like, mm-hmm. uh, and then it evolves into Urshifu, which is, um, it's basically like a, like a karate bear, <laughs> um, both forms. You have like a little karate cub and then you have Urshifu, which is karate big bear. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two forms of it. There's a fighting slash dark and then a fighting slash water. Uh, so two different variations. They didn't specify how you can go about getting those evolutions, whether, you know, one's a sword exclusive, other shield, or if there's certain conditions to meet. But uh, after that, uh, in the live stream, next came up Isle of Armor. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was poorly edited video. And, and for whatever reason, Isle of Armor ran twice. Um, so, yeah, I was very confused because I looked down at my phone for a second and then I looked back up and I was like, wait, didn't I already see this? And then uh, I was I like, no, was no, a... that was new. I didn't see that. No, I definitely saw that. Yeah, I thought it was a problem with like my Internet or something. Or Same. Something. So I, I went to giant. But nope, it was happening for everybody. Yeah, but it was weird. What really comes after Isle of Armor is the Crown Tundra, which is a second expansion comes out in fall 2020. Um, so this is going to be, I think, where 
some really like when you think of like end game stuff, I think this is really going to be that. But mm-hmm. uh, so it's you're there's going to be a new Pokemon in there. It looks like uh, the, the legendary bird trio from Gen 1 is going to be in there along with a new legendary uh, Cal- Calyrex. Yeah, I think that was it. Uh, it's a grass and psychic type um, kind of cool looking, almost deer looking Pokemon with a mm-hmm. giant head. Um, they're going to have all sorts of legendaries from, from previous entries showing up on this island uh, that you can fight and potentially catch. Um, throughout these expansions, you're going to have a new rival depending on which game you have. So those that have Pokemon Sword are going to ha- uh, have a new rival named Clara. And then those with Shield are going to have a new rival named Avery. Um, throughout these expansions, there's going to be 100 plus new style options so hair clothing you know bikes and all that Mm -hmm. and then 200 plus pokemon additions so they're adding in a ton more pokemon including all those legendaries and uh gen one starters and things like that Mm -hmm. um and from what they were saying both expansions bring areas that are bigger than the original wild area um from galar regions so um that's that's all the big thing in terms of the expansions. What are some of the things mm-hmm. that, that really stuck out for you? Um, so for me, uh, I mean, the you know, as someone who was a, a little let down by them not having, you know, the full Pokedex available, the 200 plus Pokemon editions was big for me. Um, now, you, you, there's been a, an ongoing kind of um, discussion, like, did they intentionally hold these Pokemon back so that they could sell them to us later? Or did they... Uh, you know, cave to the outcry and, and add them in, you know, either way, I, I really don't care. Um, I, I think as long as the, the content is, is good, if you're, and you're adding in those extra Pokemon, then, then I'm happy. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to see the legendary birds from gen one, uh, come back. I'm interested to see like what the typing is going to be on those three. Um, and I'm definitely happy that there's going to be some new rivals because I don't think I could deal with hop for another 30 hours or whatever this is going to be. (laughs) (laughs) He was just awful. But, um, do we know, I know that, you know, it says here that, um, the areas are going to be bigger than the original wild area. Do we know, you know, are the, the cities or the towns or like the main hub, are they going to be the same style as the wild area where it's just, everything is open or, or I don't, I don't know if they really confirmed that or not. I don't think they confirmed it uh, in the video, so it's probably something that we'll kind of have to wait and see mm-hmm. um, as they, they give some more information leading up to uh, those releases. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as someone who was a little bit let down with with what we got from the main games, I mean, this is this is this is awesome. I think this is going to be a really cool expansion. I'm happy they're not trying to sell it to us as a full new game. Um, you know, I think this is where the series needs to go for the future. I mean, we've, we've been able to do downloadable content for, you know, a decade now over a decade and, um, Nintendo's finally kind of getting hip to it and, and Pokemon's one that's really, really needed it, I think. So, um, I'm, I'm pleased with it. Um, how did, how did you feel about it, Adam? Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a smart move on their part just kind of uh, doing fresh content instead of trying to repackage and, and provide minimal tweaks to the existing games. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I know I kind of gushed about the wild area on previous podcasts, so I'm uh, really looking forward to having brand new areas to explore, mm-hmm. um, especially, I mean, uh, the wild areas, it's not small, it's not huge, but it, it does, it's, it's fairly 
it's large enough, I'd say. And the fact that these next two aisles are going to be even bigger than that, um, I, I think that gives me a lot of confidence that it's going to be very enjoyable because mm-hmm. um, I spent so much time in the wild area and doing the, the raid battles and everything. And, and the fact that there's just going to be more of that um, and it's not just like recycled, like, and I know they are adding new, new raid battles to the existing wild area, but I'm right. glad that's, they didn't stop there and just say, Oh, well now this, this Pokemon's now available in raid battles. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it, this is a whole new area for you to explore. That's, that was kind of the the big thing for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think going into this, a lot of people thought that uh, you know if they announced anything new, it was just going to be that you know new Pokemon for the raid battles and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think everyone was pretty pleasantly surprised with with, with what happened um, as far as you know the two huge new areas. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think it's going to be um, one more little step in the in the right direction for the series. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited about the timing, too. So uh, June and fall. So mm-hmm. this is after the big gaming onslaught that we're going to see over the course of the next couple months. Mm-hmm. So that, that could be a really good timing. The only thing that, that we know of right now that's going to kind of coincide with that is going to be um, Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, there's, there's plenty of opportunity for this to exist alongside Ghost of Tsushima. So I think it's a really good timing. It's, it's before most likely before uh, the new consoles and stuff arrive. So mm-hmm. it's going to kind of avoid any, um, you know, contention that, that comes along with the games coming out with those new consoles. Uh, so I think it's a good solid time. Uh, there's enough time in between them that, you know, it should give uh, a lot of time to explore one before the second one comes out. Um, so I, I think the timing's right on it. And I mean, it's, it's 30, $30, which isn't terrible. seems like a, a really good chunk of content Mm -hmm. as well um so yeah i'm really looking forward to it i I like the the steps that they're taking on this and you know i think if they they take that and they continue to expand for their next mainline release i think it's going to end up being amazing yeah i'm with you i think you know the thing that would have would have really changed this game for me is if the entire map was like the wild area. I, yes. I would have been mm-hmm. a thousand percent more happy about how this <laughs> game ended up. So, so the fact so that yeah, we're gonna get kind of a taste of that. Yeah, it seems like exactly. That's 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 what I'm looking forward to. I'm I'm excited. Um, so color me um, surprised. We'll say that because yeah, I I really you know you guys have heard me my thoughts on the, the yep. on Sword and Shield and wasn't super high on them, but um, I think this is going to turn my, my view of these games around a little bit. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So the, uh, so the next thing that came in, which uh, also uh, I think you enjoyed was mm-hmm. the uh, more information on Pokemon home. Uh, so basically you can bring Pokemon from other games into Pokemon sword and shield, as long as they're in the, the Galar regional decks. Mm-hmm. So, um, so still not every Pokemon, but it is, uh, increasing and you can now bring them from other games. So that's good. And they're going to have more information on that in February. Um, so they, they kind of gave us a little bit and they let us know that it's still coming and we just have a little bit more time to wait to find out more. Yeah. So the thing that I'm super excited about with home is that, you know, it's, 
always been kind of the dream of like you meet someone in public and they're oh you play Pokemon cool yeah let's trade but no one's carrying their switch around 24 7 um, you know so it, the fact that you'll be able to import your Pokemon from Pokemon Go as well as uh, I believe the Let's Go games and now the uh, the Sword and Shield games um, you'll actually be able to have your Pokemon on your phone with you in the cloud and and trade with people without facilitating a game, you know, to connect up with. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. And that's just going to provide some more of the social elements to, to Pokemon that have kind of uh, fallen by the wayside as, as um, you know, some of us have grown up and, you know, we don't know as many people playing, playing Pokemon and carrying their game boys around and that kind of stuff. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm just really excited to, to kind of get back to being a kid again and having all my Pokemon (laughs) in my pocket at all, all times. So that'll that'll be cool. So it's a real days of, of them being pocket monsters. Exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, so the other two two notes or points here are kind of smaller in, in scale. So they are, we kind of touched on it, they are bringing new um, raid battles to the existing game. Um, so there's going to be some new Gigantamax Pokemon. Um, there was, what was it? Um, Colossal, I think it was, and mm-hmm. then Lapras. And there's one other I can't remember. Um, but there's a few more of those coming. And then also, um, I think as of right now, if you go to the Wedgehurst station, um, you can meet your new rival that you're going to see more of in the upcoming expansions, Mm -hmm. as well as be able to catch a Galarian Slowpoke. Um, and then the Slowpoke, you'll be able to evolve, um, in the new expansion. So each expansion is going to offer a different evolution for, for Slowpoke. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see essentially two different variations of Galarian uh, Slowbro, I guess, or whatever the ex- the uh, the new ones are called. Yeah, so one, I think in the first one, um, Isle of Armor, you get a Galarian, you can evolve them into Galarian Slowbro. And then the other one, you can evolve them into Galarian Slowking. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That'll be cool. Um, I haven't had a chance to, to get back in the game and, and check this out yet, but um, we, we had a little discussion in our group um, whether you would be able... I think you're only able to get this one Galarian Slowpoke for now, but we were going to try and see if you could uh, actually breed that that one and get get more than one, but I don't think we ever came to a conclusion on that. Yeah, yeah. We haven't, we haven't put the uh, scientific theory to test <laughs> on, on that, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, ideally, you know, because you want to be able to get them all, right? right. So you want to be able to get both uh, both evolved forms. So, you know, I guess you know, hopefully the best way to do that is going to be able to either have opportunities to catch more of the Galarian Slowpokes or to mm-hmm. breed additional ones to get those evolutions. Yeah. So. Um, so any other thoughts you had on that direct? No, I thought it was a good direct overall. Um, I'm glad that they got the mystery dungeon news out of the way first you know, yeah. kind of just sped through that um i was i was excited to see it um because my my um memories of that game were a lot better than what i think it actually was <laughs> but um yeah so um i know there's a lot of fans of that series so i'm happy for them um and yeah. if that's what they've been looking forward to so uh but as far as the short and sword and shield expansions i think they knocked it out of the park and i'm excited to see how it turns out yeah so, I mean, last last thing to say on that is uh, just if you do the if you do pre-purchase the expansions, just make sure you get the one that corresponds to your game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have Pokemon Sword, don't get the Pokemon Shield expansion <laughs> because it's not going to do you any good. You're going to waste money on that. So yeah. get the one that it corresponds with the game that you own. Um, 
and yeah. So um, moving on then, our next topic is that uh, pretty surprising, PlayStation will not participate in E3 2020. Hmm. Uh, so that was, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it's surprising, but it's kind of not because they skipped last year, and I think everyone was kind of questioning. Everyone, I think, assumed they'd be back, but then also, like, you know, I, I feel like they almost kind of closed the door after last year, and mm-hmm. it looks like they, they really did close the door. So, um, so we have a, a story from gamesindustry.biz uh, from Christopher Dring. Uh, so just to read through this pretty, sh- pretty short article here. Um, yeah. PlayStation will miss E3 for a second year in a row. Uh, the firm told GamesIndustry.biz that it does not feel the vision for the event is right for what it is planning for this year. Instead, it will attend hundreds of consumer events to showcase upcoming games for PS4 and PS5. Uh, and then they got a quote here from uh, a Sony Interactive Entertainment spokesperson that says, After thorough evaluation, SAA has decided not to participate in E3 2020. We have great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. We will build upon our global event strategy in 2020 by participating in hundreds of consumer events across the globe. Our focus is on making sure fans feel part of the PlayStation family and have access to play their favorite content. We have a fantastic lineup of titles coming to PlayStation 4, and with the upcoming launch of PlayStation 5, we are truly looking forward to a year of celebration with our fans. Um, it looks like there was an update here. Uh, ESA has issued the following statement on Sony skipping E3 2020. They say so. ESA. So this is the ESA basically runs E3. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say E3 is a signature event celebrating the video game industry and showcasing the people, brands, and innovations redefining entertainment, loved by billions of people around the world. E3 2020 will be an exciting, high-energy show featuring new experiences, partners, exhibitor spaces, activations, and programming that will entertain new and veteran attendees alike. Exhibitor interest in our new activations is gaining the attention of brands that view E3 as a key opportunity to connect with video game fans worldwide. So ESA is basically saying, WTF, PlayStation, like right. why we're we're more than good enough for you, and mm-hmm. we don't need you because we have all these other people interested. Mm-hmm. So I think it's funny that they didn't even they didn't even name Sony or PlayStation at all in their statement. They're just yeah. like, yeah, well, forget you then. <laughs> Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I'm a little confused, to be honest, because what they say here is that we have great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we not do not feel that the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we're focused on this year. I don't really feel like E3 is going to be changing all that much. I don't mm-hmm. know what the different vision that they could be referencing here is. And yeah. You know, it's worked for them for all these years. They announced the first PlayStation in 1995 at the first E3. So it's like, you guys have been doing this for years and years and years. I understand, you know, last year they took a break. Um, Rightfully so, they didn't have much to show. Um, But this year, it seemed like almost a no-brainer that they would be there given Mm -hmm. that they're launching a new console. They're going to have a bunch of new games to talk about. Um, I don't know. This is really weird to me. I don't don't know what these hundreds of events that they're possibly going to be going to are either. Um, It just seems like a very, very strange um, strategy. It it is strange, too, and it it seems a little contradictory, too, because they, 
are going to attend hundreds of consumer events, but I mean, E3 is a consumer event. Like, you know, people can come off the streets basically and, and interact with their, their products. And it's like, what it's, it's, you know, one of the biggest of them all. So why not include yourself in that? I mean, unless Sony had some sort of falling out with the ESA, I, you know, maybe there's some sort of partnership thing that's not working anymore. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, it seems weird to me that like Xbox, you know, they weren't actually on the show floor at E3 last year, but they had right. their own kind of uh, installation, I believe, you know, next door or across the street or something. And so if if Sony really felt like, you know, being right there on the show floor wasn't going to work for them, I'm sure uh, the ESA would have worked with them and, and found a way for them to be included somehow, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, from a remote site or whatever. But um, yeah, it seems like to me that there's something else going on behind the scenes here that we're not privy to. And I, I don't know what that would be, but it just, it strikes me as odd. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the next question is, are they going to do what Xbox is doing and have their own event in that same area mm-hmm. to kind of be part of E3, but not necessarily part of ESA's vision of E3. Right. Um, so it's it, possibility for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. It's just a very, very puzzling situation to me, um, especially when they haven't announced their own uh, event of any kind yet for for this year to to announce the PS5. Well, I mean they've announced the PS5, but you know to to flesh out the details of that, show some games, that kind of thing. It just seems really odd, but I guess we'll see what they've got planned for us. I mean, they've they're they're a smart company; they know what they're doing, and I don't put it past them to um, you know have a plan in mind that that's going to surprise us all. So I guess we'll see. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot to, lot to unravel with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see what they do. Because, I mean, if they, uh, you know, announce, you know, have an official unveiling event sometime between now and E3, then that kind of gives Xbox time to respond when E3 does roll around mm-hmm. and they do their, their showcase. For and sure. So they could, you know, could could find a way to get a leg up on, on Sony this time mm-hmm. around. But. Yep, that remains to be seen. But speaking of Xbox and things that they're doing, um, you got a chance to go hands-on with with xCloud, and Mm -hmm. you have some impressions you'd like to share with the listeners. Yeah, so um, I signed up for the xCloud beta a couple months ago, and I got in. um, And now I don't have a a Android phone, so unfortunately I'm not able to test it over like a mobile network. Uh, But I do have a tablet, and um, when I first downloaded it and checked it out. It just, it did not work at all. This was maybe month, month and a half ago. Um, so what would happen is I would launch the game. I could hear everything happening. Um, you know, I could move the sticks around and I could, you know, hear the sounds of the menu, you know, shuffling through different options on the menu or whatever. But, um, it was just whatever the first, very first screen that showed up was, was just locked and I couldn't, couldn't get past that. Um, so, I kind of just gave up on it. I thought, you know, maybe my tablet's too old. It's just not going to work. Um, but the other day I decided, you know what? I was watching some TV with my wife and I was uh, looking to, to continue playing a game that I had started. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it out. You know, maybe they've updated it and we'll see what's what's going on. So uh, to my surprise, I turned it on. I uh, clicked on Ori in the Blind Forest, which we'll get to here in a minute. Um, and it worked. Uh, it was perfect. Um you know, I didn't really sense any input lag. Um, I'm sure there was a tiny bit, but um, it, it, it was very smooth. Um, 
I didn't have much artifacting. In fact, the only times that I did have any kind of like video artifacting, it was like severe. So it was like, okay, I need to pause it for a second and let it catch up. And then, but that was like two times out of maybe three hours worth of playing. So um, I was very, very impressed. Um, I went through and tried a few different games after I, you know, was like, wow, this is working really well with Ori. Let's try something uh, a little more uh, intensive. So I put, I pulled up uh, Tekken 7 because I was like, okay, a fighting game streaming over the cloud. That surely can't feel good. And I was surprised again. It felt great, actually. Um, didn't Again, didn't notice uh, a huge amount of input lag. Um, I even went into the controller options and they have like a button test in Tekken 7. And I was you know, tapping the button and watching it light up on the screen. And I mean, it was like instant. So, uh, I'm really, really impressed with, with how X clouds running. Um, I did it both from the cloud and from my console, very similar experiences. And, um, I actually, like I said earlier, was out of town this weekend for a wedding and I knew I wasn't going to have a ton of time to, to game. So I, rather than bring in the switch, I said, you know what, I'm just going to bring my tablet and my, my Xbox controller and, and see how it works. And, uh, before bed one night, I played about 30 minutes of, of Ori and gained some achievements, made some progress on my file, and uh, it was totally seamless experience. So um, I'm really impressed, and I'm really looking forward to them rolling this out to um, uh, you know the, the the general masses and, and uh, getting the, the iOS version going so that I can try it out on my phone um, because... To be able to just carry your carry your controller with you in the car, and then you know whenever you you got some downtime with you know whatever's going on in your day, just pull out your phone, pull out your controller, and and, and get to gaming. That's that's going to be really cool. And with the way that it worked, uh, you know, on someone else's Wi-Fi that I had no control over, um, I, I feel like that with with it on a mobile network, um, as long as you've got a good signal, that it's probably going to work pretty well as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that it's going to stomp, stomp Stadia pretty well, uh, <laughs> considering that Stadia doesn't have the library. Um, mm -hmm. you know, they don't really have, um, too many plans in place at this point. It seems to expand, um, you know, the library or, or, uh, I, I mean, I haven't really been keeping up with Stadia news too much because of, you know, how bad the launch was, but, um, I, I just think that xCloud's kind of, they're they're coming at it from the right approach of um, letting you access a library that you already have. And, you know, with game pass being able to play all those games and, and, and it all being built into that one subscription, I think it's just going to be a killer deal when they finally launch it to, to the public. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds extremely promising, especially after stadia, you know, under delivered with what they were doing. It kind of, you know, made me wonder if maybe they, Things, you know, infrastructure and everything just wasn't ready for streaming, but that sounds very promising. And, um, you know, who who doesn't, you know, want to take their their games on the road with them? So that's awesome that it's playing so well. And, you know, and that could be, you know, kind of the thing, you know, we have Xbox Series X and everything that's coming out. But, you know, maybe xCloud is the thing that really pushes Xbox to, to give PlayStation a run for their money, because, I mean, you know, even just look at, yeah, you know, they're putting first party things on there. But if they get you know, deal worked out with someone like, you know, CD Projekt Red and you can play cyberpunk, mm -hmm. you know, on the go from your tablet or phone or whatever, like, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna open a lot of doors and open the eyes of a lot of gamers that, you know, have limited time to play or travel a lot and they need, 
um, they need to be able to play somewhere that's not on their their home screen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's the cool thing about it. I mean, they don't even have to do a deal with with uh, CD Projekt because if you just buy it on Xbox, you're going to be able to stream it from your console at that point. And I believe that's actually, true. you know, I if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, um, you know, maybe someone can leave us a message on Twitter if I'm wrong here, but I believe that they said any game you purchase will be streamable from the cloud. So, okay, um, even if you're, you know, you you're console at home you know you're on a trip and the internet goes out at your house or whatever so your console is unavailable you'd still be able to stream from the cloud um any game that you've you've purchased so that's awesome yeah i mean it just it's almost like a no-brainer if you've got any interest in 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 playing games from the cloud that you would you know pick up an xbox and and start you know buying your games there because especially your third parties because then You've got access to them wherever you go, um, and I'm I'm assuming that this is going to come to Windows as well um, and be able to play from from the cloud to a computer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, I think they're going to knock it out of the park. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Gosh, can't I can't I'm still still patiently waiting for my invite to to X Cloud. I would love to get my hands on that. So, um, yeah, so Xbox, get on that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> All right. So, um, any other uh, things you wanted to share on XCloud? No, that was about it. Um, uh, yeah. So I played. I played Ori on there. I played uh, a little bit of Tekken Seven, and then I played some uh, Madden NFL Twenty, and no problems with any of them. Um, nice. I thought Madden might give me a little trouble just with so mm-hmm. much motion going on all the time, but no. It, like I said, the only two times I had any kind of video artifacting it was it was like the whole screen froze and Mm -hmm. and glitched up so i was like able to just pause the game let it catch up and it was it was a very very uh positive experience overall so that's awesome so uh, i know you mentioned some of the some of the games that that you've been playing was there any anything other games or any games you wanted to kind of expand on what you've been playing yeah so last week we talked about um you know, we were going through the upcoming releases for 2020 and we were talking about Ori and the Will of the Wisps and uh, Luke and myself both, I don't know, remember if Luke had played it at all, um, but I had not played it at all. And you said that you, you recently jumped back in and had enjoyed it the first time you played. And so I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, it's on Game Pass, might as well. And I actually had already downloaded it. I don't remember when, but uh, it was right there waiting for me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to jump in and, and see what I think. And um it's not the game I thought it was. And that's actually a good thing because the reason I never really got into it was it just looked like a generic platformer to me. (laughs) And it's more of like a Metroidvania style Mm -hmm. game. And that's super up my alley. So, um, you know, you're going through different sections of this forest, trying to restore, uh, everything to its natural order. You know, there's, there's, um, um, a lot to do with the elements, uh, the wind and water and earth and stuff like that. You're trying to, uh, I, I, I'm having a little trouble grasping the story because it's all very um, whimsical and mm-hmm. and kind of out there a little bit. But um, they've got some weird creatures that I'm not sure exactly what their story is. Um, and they're, it, the story is kind of going over my head a little bit. I'll, I'll be honest about that. But the gameplay is awesome. Um, it's, you know, you're, you're collecting upgrades. You're collecting, um, you know, adding on to your life meter and you're uh, upgrading your... I don't know what you call it. It's not a weapon, but you can send out these little blasts um, to to fight enemies, and you can upgrade those. And there's a huge skill tree of of different um, abilities that you can earn. And um, yeah, it's really taken me by surprise because I 
like I said, I thought it was just kind of a generic left to right platformer and um, the amount of like backtracking and, and um, going to new areas that you've seen before, but weren't able to get to. It's just really cool. And I love that kind of stuff in a game. It's very super Metroid or, or Castlevania in that sense. So um, yeah, I'm actually really looking mm-hmm. forward to will of the wisps at this point. Um, hopefully going to finish up uh, the blind forest at some point this week. And then I'll be ready to give the new one a go whenever it's out. Nice. Um, other than that, I booted up the Witcher three and uh, started the the tutorial and played a little bit of it and was just like, you know what? There's too much coming out. I can't get into this right now. So <laughs> I put it down. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. But um, other than that, yeah, like I said, I just tested a few things on, on xCloud. And, and other than that, really just played a lot of Ori this week. So mm-hmm. uh, what about you, Adam? What have you been playing? So I've been doing a lot more watching than I have actually been playing with GDQ and all. So um I haven't been playing a ton of games here recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one of the games that I have played that I, I spend a little bit of time with is a uh, it's a game that I actually saw at a previous GDQ. Someone was speed running it. Uh, it's a game called Time Spinner, and uh, it's a, it's essentially it's a Metroidvania. I've been playing it on Switch, mm. and um, it, it leans a little bit more into Castlevania than it does like Metroid, mm-hmm. but it does have that very metroidvania kind of style of exploration get upgrades be able to explore new areas with with said upgrades and um it's very equipment based too so that's where it kind of leans a little bit more into castlevania Mm -hmm. where you can equip different items armors uh abilities things of that nature um and then also i'd say just kind of like atmosphere and like tone reminds me a little bit more of of castlevania like there's not really um you know, undead and, and things like that that you're fighting, but mm-hmm. just kind of the, the environments that you go into, like, you know, I've been into like a castle and um, some underground areas that kind of really felt like like a Castlevania game. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, so good. It, it doesn't, you know, reach the same levels as you would get out of, say, like a Symphony of the Night or, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the, the handheld, some of the great handheld Castlevanias that came out. But... Mm-hmm. Um, so far I'm enjoying it. I, I definitely want to play more and, and explore some more and, uh, you know, collect some more of the, I guess, quote unquote weapons that you get and, and things like that. So, uh, the, the story is just okay. It's not anything like it's pretty, uh, I don't know, I guess pretty standard story. It's kind of generic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Girl out for revenge. Uh, you know, village was destroyed does throw in some uh, time travel elements in there too, so it's it's interesting enough to to want to continue on, but it's not anything like super exciting. But I mean, if you think about it, like Castlevania Symphony of Night, that didn't really have much of a story to talk about either. No, um, and that was still you know one of the greatest games of all time. But um, like I said, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be quite to that same level, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is pretty enjoyable. So yeah, I played a little bit of that, and like I said, uh, otherwise I've pretty much just been uh, watching GDQ and watching other people play games. So hey, nothing nothing wrong with that. When when they're you know pulling stuff off like the crazy stuff you were telling us about <laughs> earlier, then yeah, it's definitely something to w- worth watching. So yeah, well that's cool. I'm gonna have to check that one out. I hadn't heard of it before, um, but yeah, s- sounds pretty cool. 
Yeah, it is pretty neat. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's it just like I mentioned before, like you may not recognize a game title or think that it's something that you like, but maybe if you see someone doing it at something like a GDQ or mm-hmm. on, you know, you find someone playing something on Twitch that you're not familiar with, uh, you you might find something. You might find a gem out there. So Definitely. Um, Speaking of stuff real quick before we get mm-hmm. to question of the week, stuff that people may not have heard about, um, there's this game called Tim Tim. Uh, and it's a it's a new oh, yeah. a new PC game. It's also going to be coming to consoles eventually, uh, and they're running their stress tests this upcoming week. I think they had one this past weekend. Uh, neither myself or Adam were able to uh, to be in in that, but I got a couple codes for us. Adam and I are going to try to get in on one of the two stress tests this upcoming week. And basically, what this game is is a very unabashed Pokemon clone, but it's an yeah, MMO. Yeah, so um, it's kind of like the dream that everyone's had for Pokemon for a long, long time is like, why is, why can we not have a fully online game that's, uh, you know, set in the Pokemon universe. So, um, I think we'll have some thoughts on that next week, assuming we are both able to get in and actually play a little bit. Um, but just thought I'd mention that here just as a little teaser for, for what may be coming next week. Alrighty. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So next, uh, is our question of the week. So, uh, last week we asked the question, what is your most anticipated game for 2020? Uh, so we do have a few responses here we got from uh, you know, uh, social media channels. So a uh, couple on Facebook here. We got uh, Michael Ladd, who says Cyberpunk 2077, or Mario Odyssey 2, if it's announced. So currently not hasn't been announced yet, but if it does, that's <laughs> certainly going to be uh, something he's looking forward to. Uh, also on Facebook, we had Sarah Rodriguez. Uh, she's really looking forward to Animal Crossing New Horizons totally right there with you <laughs> she um she she made a funny comment too she said she feels like uh, i forget what she said it's like just such a, a casual i guess for for being interested in that i'm like hey like don't feel that way like that's no. a top three like hype announcement for me for you know this upcoming year so. same here um we had michael Ruchuba on facebook uh also said cyberpunk 2077 uh, Alex MCD on Facebook says Last of Us Part Two. Uh, Jessica Soderberg on Facebook uh, also says Cyberpunk 2077. And then we had on Twitter at Mad Hatter 1138 uh, says Cyberpunk 2077. So a lot of hype for for Cyberpunk. Um, totally understands all the all the hype for that. Um, we mm-hmm. had a couple joke responses too. So. Um, we left those out, but um, yeah, I so don't think I, anyone's I, genuinely looking forward to NBA Live 2021 or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I, I know we already mentioned it on uh, our Game of the Year episode, but what's what's your most anticipated game of 2020? Yeah, so Luke put us on the spot there, and I just went with <laughs> Animal Crossing because that's a series that I I've always am looking forward to, and I'm always ready for the next one, but. Um, I gotta go with cyberpunk. It's just, that's going to be such a cool world to live in, um, that I'm, I'm just excited to dive in and and spend some hours there in the, in the far off future and dystopian, um, society. I don't know, man. It's just the the game looks awesome. So that's, that's, that's for me is, is cyberpunk. Yeah. I, I was so conflicted between this and final fantasy seven because like, for all the things you said about cyberpunk and and it just seems so unique and so fresh mm-hmm. and and you know um that city just looks 
like it's going to be so much fun to just explore all the highs and lows and but still for me it's got to be final fantasy 7 remake um just because of how much i love that game and everything i i see all the updates whether it's just photos or little video clips or whatever mm-hmm. um whatever they show i'm just i'm so into it like i am just i'm dialed in on that game and i cannot wait to play it and uh, there were there were a couple weeks ago there was the, the rumor someone found the demo out on the the store and I guess someone got access to it even was spoiling things so it must be real but mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they get that thing out soon because I mean the, the game comes out in like a month and a half right. I can't believe I'm saying that like it's almost here <laughs> um, and I would I would just really want to play that demo so hopefully it comes soon. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I, I got to get my hands on that before I decide if I'm buying. I mean, at this point, I'm pretty heavily leaning towards towards picking it up day one, but I really want to try out the demo and see if it's mm-hmm. definitely going to be for me. So, yep. So, um, big thanks to everybody that answered that question of the week. Um, next week's question is gonna is, what is your all time favorite console controller? Um, so I I know everyone's gonna pick the Wiimote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going but, with the Atari Jaguar controller with the number pad. That's oh I mean, gosh, the most wow. buttons. So I mean, yeah. it's got to be the best. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean, so many so many consoles, so many great controllers, so many weird controllers that maybe maybe someone does have a maybe someone loves the Nintendo sixty four controller best. Who knows? <laughs> um, so yeah, get, give that a thought, and you know, reach out to us on facebook or twitter let us know your your answers to that um so i guess um i guess we'll start wrapping up the show here um garrett if you want to let everyone know how they can get a hold of you yep i'm on twitter and instagram at lp panther uh, really everywhere you look if you search for lp panther you'll find me so if you want to play some games on xbox or playstation that's where to find me there as well Okay, and I am on Twitter at AdamPalooza85. Uh, you can find the show at GamesAreFunPod on Twitter. And then also uh, GamesAreFun uh, podcast on Facebook. And through email, you can get a hold of us at GamesAreFunPodcast at gmail.com. Um, don't forget about the giveaway, everybody. So again, we want to mm-hmm. reach a goal of 300 Twitter followers. So uh, you know, make sure to uh, give us a follow find that giveaway tweet um like garrett said it's been pinned so uh find that tweet retweet it comment your favorite nba team uh get yourself a copy of nba 2k20 for xbox one and uh, i guess on that note um we will talk to you guys next week 